If you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? It is from the 24th chapter of Luke, verses 13 to 33. Now, behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was that while they were conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near them and went with them, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? <clears throat> then one of the one then one whose name was Cleopas answered him and said to him are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and you have not known the things which have happened there in these days and he said to them what things and so they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, and beside all these things, today is the third day since these hap- things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early ast- ast- astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures of the things concerning himself, And then they drew nearer to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for the evening is here, and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he was sitting at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they then rose up at that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven who were with him, gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen. Indeed, and he's appeared to Simon, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And now they said in these things, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, supposed the spirit. They had seen a spirit, and he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do your doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands, behold my feet. It is I myself. Handle me and see me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. 
And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they, were, while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, Have you any food? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Thanks be to God for this, his word to us. Amen. Be seated. This, as I've told you before, is one of my favorite accounts of the resurrection because I think, in a way, it speaks to every believer. Here's the picture. Cleopas and another disciple, who I always suspect is St. Luke, they were on the road going away from Jerusalem up to the village of Emmaus, and they were heavy of heart, and we could understand that. Their great hope had been in Jesus. And they had seen Jesus crucified. And and while they'd heard the stories from the women at the tomb, they had not seen Jesus. I can only imagine the the depth of sorrow that is in their heart. Their master, their teacher was gone. and, And at that point, they had no real assurance and hope. They were in despair. They were walking the road. Troubled, hopeless, disappointed, in despair. It's understandable that they would have been that way. And then there was a person they could not recognize came in to walk with them. Now we may often puzzle as to how they did not know Jesus, but they didn't. It says their eyes were kept from perceiving him. Pardon me. But as I reflect on this scripture, I, I, I perhaps think that, that um, the Father God intended that, and I think he intended that for this reason that he wanted those men to express their hearts, their hopelessness, and their despair. And he wanted those men to have the opportunity to focus seriously upon all the scriptures about Jesus. They were going to need that in the future days. They were going to need that understanding. And had Jesus been immediately revealed to them, I don't think that would have ever come up. That opportunity, because they'd just been rejoicing and and happy. So, so I think their eyes were were hidden from him in order to hear what had happened in light of the te- whole teaching of the Holy Scriptures. He said it began at the prophets and went forward. So Jesus is spending this time on the road explaining what had happened, what had transpired not in light of the events, but in light of the Word of God. And so they, they, they travel on, and an uh, and, and evening gets late, and, uh, and Jesus appeared to be wanting to travel further, and, and yet they, they didn't know it was him, but they implored him, as is the Middle Eastern custom, 
uh, to show hospitality. They implored him to come in and stay with them a while, and he sat down with them. And I always think it's fascinating at the breaking of the bread. You know, he broke bread with, blessed it and broke it. We had the Lord's Supper last Sabbath day. Thank you, deaconesses, for your wonderful work. And the breaking of the bread, they realized this is Jesus. And the effect on them was tremendous. When he, when he went from their presence, they, they, they literally got up and immediately went back in the night to travel, to travel back to, to Jerusalem to, to, to hunt up the disciples and, and tell them that they'd seen the risen Lord. What these women said is for sure, it's for real, he's alive. And of course, when they arrived there, we know the, the story that he'd already appeared and and, and, and the joy was being made complete with all the disciples. But what happened to those men on that road was a transforming event in their life. They were made aware that, that in their sadness, in their sorrow, in their despair, that the Lord proved to be faithful to them. In fact, it was in the midst of those difficulties and troubles, and I think he sought them out because they were really earnestly dealing with that. In the midst of their sorrows, disappointment, and troubles, he appeared. And he helped them understand it, not as the world comforts, but through the Holy Scriptures. You see, Jesus showed up for Cleopas and that other fellow who I think was Luke. He showed up just at the right time, didn't he? At a time when, when, when they were anxious and fearful and, and had no hope. Now these, these had been disciples, remember. They had no hope and, and they were just broken hearted and troubled and didn't know the way out. They were, as you say, at the bottom of the barrel in the depths of the pit. And Jesus loves his disciples. You know that? If you're his disciple today, he loves you. And he came just when they needed him most. And when he came and they realized the greatness of his power, it changed everything. You know, I've been a pastor for Long time, longer than some of you have been alive. That's made me old. Also, Eddie, I hope it's made me a little bit wise. But I, I love the Lord's people. And I know that you all go through hard times on the road of life. Some of us struggle to deal with feelings about ourselves that that uh, you know we 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 have a, a low self-esteem and we feel burdened all the time. 
And as I often tell you, if you focus on your feelings, you're going to be in trouble. You know that? What you need to focus on in times of trouble are the promises of God. Feelings come and go. But the promises of God are forever. I know that some of you are dealing with illnesses, and I know that some of you are dealing with the illness of a loved one, which I think is even harder than dealing with your personal illnesses. I know that some of you worry about your children and grandchildren are concerned for them. I know those things. And I know some of you are worried even though you've never told me. You've been around as long as I have. You learn to read people's faces and, feet and expressions. And I've been there too, you see. I'm not above that. I, I've had my troubles, still continue to have my burdens. We all do. And we're walking that road in a sense, aren't we? My father was a dour fellow, straight up about things. There's no sugarcoating with him. He loved us, and we knew he loved us. But I remember one time I was complaining about how hard and bad things were for me, and they really weren't bad at all. And he said, you do not endure anything that all men endure. All have their troubles. He certainly had his. Wherever you are on the road of life today, I want to remind you that if you're a believer, now if you're not, if you haven't committed your life to Christ, this, these, these words of comfort are not yours because you have no comfort in them. But if you have committed your life to Christ, then these words are for you. Wherever you are on the road of life, whatever troubles you are going through, never forget your loving Savior is walking with you. We sometimes forget that, and we f look at the external circumstances, and, and, and those are listed up with us great concern. You know, I've got loved ones. I'm concerned about their eternal destiny. I mean, I don't think a, there's a, a more loving concern for someone than that, to be concerned for their eternal destiny. And I know that if these loved ones don't meet the Savior and commit their life to them, that, that when they die or when I die, I've seen them for the last time. I don't want them to be lost. I pray for them night and day. As I do some folks in this community that I'm concerned. We all have those burdens and things we carry, don't we? But never forget, this promise is for you. This Savior, Jesus, was with those men in Emmaus in their struggles, and he's with you. And what I, I want to remind you that is, as he led them through the word of God in the great hope, you know, that's one thing I, I believe with all my heart. We had a great speaker at the, 
uh, a, meet, a meeting we went to yesterday that focused us on the Bible and is important. You know, focus your life in the Word of God. Don't let a day go by that you don't read it. You know, J- Jesus is still opening who he is and what he does today. Did you know that? And one of the ways he does it is as we read the Bible. And we learn to trust in those promises. You know, some of us have buried uh, some of the dearest people in our life, you, you know. If I had to find my hope for them in my own thoughts, it would be nothing. There would be no hope. But you see, Jesus is walking that road with us, isn't he? And he opens his word up to us, and that word tells us that we are bound to him, and and those who are in Christ are bound to him with a love that will never let them go. Listen, my dearest ones. True life is found in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. And you can go all the way to the prophets and see that everything about his life was foretold. He fulfilled all of those things, didn't he? And he promised that where he is, someday we shall be also. He promised that in this world we have trials and tribulations. We have them all the time. Talking to a good and godly person this other day that had some expenses come upon them. They they didn't know how they would pay them, but they said, I know the Lord will take care of it, and he will. He never ceases to walk with you and walk with me on the road of life, and his word is constantly wanting to open up to us what it all means. The British have produced some great writers. They've also produced some great windbags, among whom was T.S. Eliot. And it points William Shakespeare. Both of them despaired of any hope in life. Shakespeare said, life is a tale told by an idiot. You kids remember that? You have to learn that. Tales told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. That's not true. Elliot saying the world ends with a whimper, not a bang. That's not true. Life means something. It is not necessarily a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. For those who know Christ, life in its times of joy and its times of trouble are revealing his presence to us. I have learned more of the Lord when I was in the valley of despair than on the mountain of exaltation. The the 
real security and certainty in my life came into my life at a point of its greatest insecurity and uncertainty. In a spiritual part of my journey on the road where I almost lost my faith and I despaired and I felt that God didn't hear me and God wasn't near me. You ever felt that way? It's the worst feeling you can have. God arranges all things for those who he's called and chosen, even those dark moments. And it just so happened that at the lowest, my dear old spiritual advisor was a missionary who returned home for a brief emergency stay, and I went and poured my heart out to him and told him that I just feel like, as George MacDonald, a great Scottish writer, wrote, My prayers are like stone birds. They look like birds, but they cannot fly. And I did not realize that God was leading me through those points of despair to teach me he was still with me. Dearest friends, don't ever make the mistake. Now, this is for believers. You're not, not having really committed your life to Christ. It's not for you. But believers don't ever make the mistake that where you are with God depends upon how you feel about God. It depends upon how God feels about you. The old devil tried to, try to trick you. And that's what had happened to me, and I had to learn that lesson. And as we sat in the backyard of a Tennessee farmhouse, he, we went to the scriptures, read from the Psalms, the words of Jesus, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember those? And those, I mean, they weren't the words of Jesus at that time. They were David's. But then Jesus cited those very words. You remember that from the cross? And he said, let me remind you, dear Gerald, that your Savior has walked every step of your road with you. And he has carried every burden that you will carry for you. He has carried it for you. And he's even carried this burden that you feel being separated from God because he carried it too. And he overcame it for you. My dear friends, I want you to be touched today with the sense that you have a marvelous, marvelous, faithful Savior that no matter what you encounter on the road of life, wherever your Emmaus road is, Your Lord and Savior is with you. He'll be there for you. You may not be able to see him, but he will appear. So I want you to go out today with a clear understanding that we believers in Christ, our confidence does not rest in ourselves, does it? But our confidence rests in our faithful Savior. Our confidence rests in him who loved us enough to go to the cross and by the mighty power of God was raised from the dead. Our confidence rests in him who loves us and gave himself for us. Our our hope is in his promises that never fail. Amen. Don't focus on your feelings. Focus on the promise of God. Those men on the road to Emmaus, they were focused on their feelings, weren't they? 
They had forgotten the promises of God. They were refreshed in them. But I'll promise you this. They never forgot them again. On the road of life, your Savior is never going to abandon you. Think about that. I have held the hand of many a saint as they prepared to leave this world. I've been present at the homegoing of many a saint. I just want to tell you briefly about one of them. In Hawaii, I had a little girl. She was about five when I arrived. And she'd been born with a rare condition where her muscles were failing her. She was never able to sit up. Anytime you would see a picture of her sitting beside the ocean on a rock or something, you could be sure that her daddy's hand was behind her, holding her up. And she smiled in that picture. And she had a little red wheelchair. She could work her hands, and she would zip around that church and and, uh, and was so full of joy and happiness. But it was a progressive disease. And long near the end of my ministry there, she was taken to Queen's Hospital in Honolulu. Have a lovely approach to palliative care there. They have a, a room, a great big room, size of most of your all's living room. And it's set out so the family can stay there 24 hours a day and every need is taken care of. And so we knew that little Jamie was going home. And in the whole process of that, she testified with joy about Jesus to her doctors, to her nurses, to anyone who would come into the room. As they would try to comfort her, she said, oh, no, I, no I'm fine. I'm, I'm in the hands of Jesus, he would say that. I'm fine. And one of our Buddhist doctors was so overwhelmed at that sense of peace, and we know where that peace comes from, do we not? Came in several times just to talk to her, not about our health. That Buddhist doctor ended up accepting Jesus Christ because he found in that testimony of that little girl's Savior to his greatness. He saw his greatness, and he saw it as something he'd never found in his own faith. And she led a number of the nurses to recommit their life to Christ. That's the kind of death she was living. Her mother would begin to break down. Any mother could, you know. And she would say, Mother, we've been through all this before. Now stop that. Both of us know this world is not our home. Think about an eight-year-old saying this. Both of us know this world is not our home. I am just going to our real home before you. So stop it. 
And the night she died, she asked for her church choir, it was kind of a praise band, to come there to the hospital. She's, she's always had a sense. She said, Pastor Gerald, I, I, I like your sermons, but I like our music better. That's true here. I don't blame them, Gail. I don't blame them one bit. But, but they came, and they sang all of her favorite songs. And, and while they were singing, uh, she went to sleep in this world and woke up in the next. On her road, full of suffering, she had joy because she walked with her risen Lord and knew that he walked with her. Got a couple of more stories better, I'll tell you, but not today. We got a business meeting after the, after the service today, so don't forget it. But, but I, the one thing I assuredly don't want you to forget today is that you are loved by your Savior, and your Savior will never let you go. He'll be with you wherever you walk on the highway of life. In good times, he'll be there to rejoice with you. In hard times, he'll sorrow for you and comfort you and encourage you. I, I, if I ask for testimonies to that happening in people's lives this morning, I, I can see right now. I know Jessica would rise up and give a testimony uh, uh, I know Sheila would rise up and give a testimony. I mean, I could go around because I've seen it since I've been here. He came to them on their life's road, and he never left them. And so he has come into your hearts and walks with you on your life's road and he will never leave you. Praise be to God for the glorious gospel that teaches us the truth and lets us know we're in his hands.